What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, welcome back to Legit Bat. I'm running solo today, so I asked a good friend Rose over at Crow Triple Seven to jump in to talk to Crow Triple Seven himself. So, how's it going, you guys? Uh, what's been What's been on your minds lately? Uh, we're all good. Um, I don't know what's new, Rose. Gosh, so much. We've been putting out shows two times a week for so many years. Uh, it's just so much content. We've been dealing with all this PayPal nonsense, TikTok nonsense. Government nonsense, <laughs> medical nonsense, law nonsense. Well, as everybody knows, our, yeah, well, as everybody knows, we, uh, in the U.S. at least, we had our midterm elections, and uh, me and Crow were talking before the show, and we both know pretty much zero about it. All I know is that the uh, stroke victim, Fetterman, apparently beat out uh, Dr. Oz, like the TV guy, and so that's amazing, if you can believe the voting, which, you know, I don't think we can, but... Uh, what have you guys been going into as far as the red-blue divide things? I think that's pretty pertinent to these times. Well, we just... That was last episode up, Rose, wasn't it? Uh, 4.52, maybe? Yeah, we just released Kalina Lux today, but the last one, 4.52, was on the political paradigm, which was like kind of an updated version um, from the first episode we did on this topic, which was 1.20, pre- nonsense 2020 and then we revisited the idea for episode 283 which was 80 episodes after we marked the beginning of the nonsense and then now more than 100 years i'm sorry almost 100 episodes later not 100 years we're doing this a third time as we are going into this um or what, what we what just happened i don't even know if you were just joking about those people who are involved with politics but Whatever. Yeah, I, I don't no, know either. <laughs> the only reason I know is because there's a couple of shows I uh, listen to that cover some political stuff. And Fetterman, I guess it's in Pennsylvania. Fetterman's the Democrat, of course. And uh, he had a stroke recently. And he can't even speak. Like when they were doing the debates, he had to have a teleprompter up so he could read the questions because he literally couldn't understand what they were saying. And just to go back and hear some of the things he said, it's going to be amazing. If he actually won, this is going to be just more fodder for the show, really, because I mean, you have Dr. Oz against a stroke victim. It's just you couldn't write this any better if you were Mike Judge writing the <laughs> How low can you go? Right, right. You know, it just it keeps going. Well, we on, on episode 452, uh, we up, updated an episode we did so long ago, but we came at it with steel toed boots. You can't really deny um, that voting doesn't make one bit of difference at the upper levels. Um, we, we showed the proofs that show who created it and why they created it. 
Uh, and it's not really arguable. And what's interesting is when we first did this, I think Rose said it was like 80 shows ago. As soon as we put up what we called the red blue mind spell. So anyone caught up in political nonsense that time I saw so many people cancel <laughs> after we put it up. Um, and I said, okay, well maybe you're not ready to be here this time. There was hardly anybody canceled, but a couple people did. And they said things like, well, I'm not invested in the Republican Party, but I just think I'm going to take a break for now. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you can still tell it's like, go ahead, just let go. You'll be fine. Yeah, I, I don't know how you could be invested in any party at this point after the last few years, let alone the last couple decades. How, how are you still? Nothing ever changes. I had this argument with a, a Democrat friend of mine, one of the few, and I'm like, in your lifetime, when has anything actually changed to a like noticeable extent? It seems to just get worse as far as right. taxes every year and the you know loss of freedoms and yet everybody's stoked when Bush won, but then you have uh, you know all that that went down with him, and then Obama gets in. Oh yeah, no more Bush. Now we got Obama, and it just goes back and forth every four to eight years. And I don't understand how you can't. It's not more obvious to like most everybody that it just doesn't do anything. Well, what, what's mind-numbingly baffling is that they don't get that both sides are playing the same end game. You know, like uh, so many people were in love with the Red Party. Well, that's the party that brought us Covidius Minimus, isn't it? Yeah. Not only that, not only that, uh, the head of the little Red Gang there got it and went to the hospital for what a, a whopping three days. You know clearly yeah. life-threatening thing but um they're, they're all it goes in the same direction they just they switch the flavor but that candy center it's the same <laughs> they're all heading uh for a destination and nobody's going to like that destination if we get there you know what that reminds me of crow i was talking to my dad recently he asked me if i voted and so i gave him a little spiel and he said well i don't agree with you but that's okay I'm glad that I can always talk to him about anything when we disagree. But even though this wasn't a presidential election, I decided to just go ahead and copy and paste from Wikipedia and send him the times that the presidential election, um, you know, went to the guy who didn't get the popular vote, which was five times, including the first time they ever started recording the popular vote. And so then, of course, he responded, yeah, but this is totally different. Local politics matter. And by the way, there have been some listeners of Crow 777 Radio that I noticed on social media saying that they did actually vote, which shocked me. But they were arguing that they were trying to influence the judges and the sheriffs. And that's it for whatever reason. But anyway, my um, I noticed that the last two times that the popular vote um, did not go towards the president that was seated was two, including 2000, which is right before that president was there for 2001, and then 2016, and that president was there for what I'm calling 9-11 2.0, or you could even call it AIDS 2.0, depending on your mood. Right. I mean, that's that's your proof. As a matter of fact, if I remember our first episode, I think it's Harrison. I hope I have the name right. He's a he's a guy who didn't, you know, get all the votes, but they seated him. You know who his descendants are? The geniuses that run the TV show Pawn Stars. You know, go figure. It, it just right. it never it never ceases to to blow your mind. And, you know, the thing about local elections. Yeah. You know, I live in a little town. And actually, some of those people are put forward um, just in general or other people try to put them forward and you can put them in. But the problem is they're still red or blue. 
So they're still using someone else's ideas and not necessarily what's best for everyone because the blue people do what the blue people do. The red people do what the red people do. Whatever happened to what would be best for all of us or most of us, at least most of us. And that goes out the window. And not only that, even in my tiny town, you get this fighting where, oh, you know, the right side could take it all and we could be the majority. So, again, what's best for the people goes out the window and it's power grabbing. Yeah. And there, so there's a, a technique in uh, magic called not like real magic. I mean, like card magic, but there's a technique called a force where you force somebody to take a card and they think they have the choice, like, you know, pick any card, but there's techniques where you can actually force a certain card on them. That's what this always reminded me of, even as a kid, because that's when I was looking into card magic and things like that. But uh, I'm like, it's a force. They, especially the presidential elections, they narrow it down out of everybody that runs to two people, that nomination on red or blue, one of those two is going to win. How is that? They they don't even give a third party the chance to debate or do anything. It's always down to the red and blue choice and nothing ever changes. That sounds like the, the definition of a force. It just we think that we're, you know, doing something by going to your polling station every four years. Um, that's about the extent of my political knowledge. I just try to distance myself from it. And I know you do, too. So I appreciate that. Well, I, I don't just I, I ignored it outright. There's no room in my life for that nonsense. Um, but I'm also reclassified, so it no longer applies to me. Um, I'm not subject to federal stuff. I can't take I can't take money in that way. I can't vote. There's a lot of things I can't do. But uh, there's a Will Smith movie. Rose, do you remember the name of it? We mentioned it. I don't know. I know I can't. There's a Will Smith movie that's all about um, setting people up to steal from them. And um, the only reason I mention it, because I usually don't tell people to watch movies, is they show a technique, much like your card technique, which is so powerful that now street magicians are getting in on it. Um, and what it is, is they carefully put words, ideas, colors, and things like that to your subconscious, and it influences the decision you'll make short a short time later, and it works. Um, and I wish I could, I think it's called focus. I don't remember. It's a one word title. It's Will Smith yeah. and some, focus. some, was it focus? Yeah. I and just some remember from the episode, but I can't find it because there's so many Will Smith movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they do, they do such a level handed job of showing how they manipulate one of the marks to literally make his choice based on the ideas they put in his subconscious. And it's been proven now by a lot of street magicians and other people. I mean, it's almost a, it's almost unbelievable when you see it happen. I saw it done to three so-called influencers on social media and they asked them, can you be influenced? And they said, hell no, we're influencers. No one's influencing us. And then they turned around and they put them in rooms where they would take a picture. They had to choose what the picture would be, where the angle, the prop they would use. And there were like five or six choices. Every one of them did the same thing. It Didn't was you say just, that I'm, it had something to do with people throwing up in each other's stuff? I don't, all I remember now, it's been so long, is something to do with an ice tray. It was a, I think it was even some Netflix thing, but I'm just saying that people have no idea how manipulatable the human mind is when it's half asleep. Yeah, I, I remember seeing some videos like that on YouTube. Is it is it kind of like NLP, neuro, neuro linguistic programming, where they're, they're 
just slipping in like synonyms or like keywords. And then when it comes time for the actual thing they want them to do, they're already predisposed to pick that card or do whatever they're doing. Yeah. I mean, in in a way it's like that, but even in the one they, they showed them pictures beforehand um, and they put the idea in their mind of someone in a swing and the guy showing them the picture gave a a positive reinforcing comment about seeing someone on a swing and then there was something to do with watermelons and ice tray and then each of them chose to pick the same room out of a few choices chose to use a swing chose to use the ice tray held up in front of their face and it was exactly what you said plus a bit more and positive reinforcement and of course they showed them images beforehand to get the ideas into their mind into their subconscious amazing how that works right and uh, look at where the big propaganda machine is focused all on media, all on screens on uh, every, you know, the little screen you carry around in your pocket. So how much easier is it for, you know, the, they to actually influence you subconsciously when they have total control of your attention most of the day. It, that's not even some little dumb dumb trick on the, you know, on a street, this is constant all day in your face. So I, it's mind blowing. And I mean, I guess to some extent we're all influenced by it, but at least we, I think recognizing that you are influenced by it is probably the first uh, step. And then you start noticing, you know, little things here and there. Well, it's crazy because I can give you an example of media having its way with people. Um, Bill Maher a little while ago. Now, when my mother was alive, she loved Bill Maher um, and she always watched him. Now, I happened to be a room away and I was hearing what he was saying and I heard he had a Brookings Institute person. So I walked out in front of the television because very few people are aware that when Eisenhower gave his speech about the dangers of the military industrial complex, he was speaking partially about the Brookings Institute. So there's Bill Maher with the enemy sitting there um, and he starts to go off on this thing. I I opened up a social media account and I'm like Bill Maher 580 and I'm all, what the hell? And then I realized all these other people are impersonating Bill Maher and he starts, you know, then he looks into the camera and he says, hey, Twitter or whoever, can you help me out here? I'm the real Bill Maher. Well, two days later, Elon comes on and says, oh, there's all these people and, and, you know, faking like they're Elon. And so he says, anyone who does this going to get blocked or whatever, locked out for a day or two, whatever he said. Then they they later stated any name change of any kind. So you can see the full spectrum coming at you because what does Bill Maher have to do with anything that Elon's doing or anything else? And yet that idea of someone's changing their name and it has to be dealt with is being seeded out through popular TV and, and news. Yeah, I like I said, I don't even know what more to say about this stuff. But what do you think about uh, Elon since you mentioned him? Because he's been in the news a lot lately. I My personal opinion is I don't give a shit. I don't care that he owns Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. And you're charging people eight bucks for a blue check. All this stuff. I, I don't understand how people are still thinking this guy is their savior when he's pushing for the same shit Klaus Schwab is just on a different from a different perspective. You know, he's, I guess. he's their boy. You want to know who Elon Musk is? Look at his resume. Elon Musk is an actor. That's who Elon Musk is. Um, And by the way, these things that people do, I don't understand how people accept them and don't realize to think a little more deep. This guy telling you that he takes rocket ships to outer space. 
<laughs> this guy's telling you that we 50 years ago went to the moon, but with all the tech we have at our, at our disposal now, we can't pull it off. This guy is not telling the truth. He's not being honest and he's never put anything in space. Um, these, you know, do you remember when they were showing pictures of the rocket going up and then coming down backwards and landing? And I remember yeah. seeing someone on YouTube reversed the footage to show that they filmed a rocket launch and then ran it down backwards um, or something like that. And I was laughing. How is it that people aren't questioning? Wait a minute. This man is claiming that he's replacing NASA. Um, this man is claiming he took his sports car to space. By the way, by the way, that is an absolute nod to the movie from the 80s called Heavy Metal. The opening scene is a is a sports car in space. So you're being hoodwinked, just to be clear. But how is it that people don't think? I just don't get it. Episode 95, by the way, we covered the car in space at the time. If you want to go back in time to when that was actually happening. And also to go on to the... the uh, our poem that we're writing about, this is a man who said this. This is a man who says that his ex-girlfriend who supposedly gave birth to a child, that she's so perfect that she must be a simulation. <laughs> well, isn't that what he said about the space car? It looks so fake, you know, it's real. We, we were covering the space, the, the, you know, the hot rod in space and we were looking at the temperatures. It's like, 500 plus degrees in the sun it's like you know a thousand <laughs> minus degrees in the shade it's like come on what are we you know how and why, how would the uh the epa not pipe in about that i mean you know save the planet and all but we're gonna shoot a fucking car up there i mean that can't be can't be good for the environment right wasn't too long before that they were saying, well, to bring a pound of anything up to the fake ISS is $10,000 or something like that. Now these guys going to take a sports car. <laughs> it's just <laughs> even some of the scenes, if you look at the opening footage to the animated movie called Heavy Metal from the 80s, I actually took one of the screen grabs that they provided of their of Elon's, you know, hot rod in space. And it was the same shot. The guy with the helmet, you know, in, in a convertible, it was, it's just, come on. Yeah, it's all just theater. Cartoons. You know how we used to laugh about how they sent William Shatner up there, a 90-year-old fat guy whose body yeah. wouldn't be able to withstand those supposed forces, even if it was just a vomit rocket, I think. And then I got to thinking, oh my gosh, remember they said that they sent Stephen Hawking up there with a very oh. serious illness? I mean, I... I'm nowhere near as messed up as Stephen Hawking was at that time. And I don't think I would have been able to like show up on time and like they, handle just, that. They just make it fun of us, man. Do you, do you remember it was either Family Guy or Simpsons poked yeah. us all in the eye because Hawking's was there and the scene that they were filming and, and the cartoon was over and Hawking says, screw this. I'm tired of sitting in this chair and he gets up and walks away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Stephen Hawking is another interesting one, kind of on the level of Elon Musk, but uh, nowhere near as smart Elon Musk. Uh, he, I don't understand why people think he's a genius either. He, he's a businessman. For, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's a businessman, but I don't see any other... He, people think that he, like the Tesla cars, that he's programming all this funny stuff into it and these Easter eggs. I'm like, he might come up with the idea for it, but he's not behind the keyboard fucking programming, at least in my opinion. One of my... And this, I'm not even kidding... One of my neighbors actually worked with Elon over at, I think it was Tesla, 
for something like a month. And when he came back, I was talking to him and he said, you know, he's a real nice guy, but he doesn't know a damn thing about engineering. <laughs> That's what he told me. Yeah. I, I, all these businesses he started, he, get, he either uh, had some funding or just got lucky and just started buying up shit. That's just my opinion of the guy. I don't see how he's very brilliant besides maybe with finances, but even that he probably had a good, uh, head start you know with his parents emerald mine or whatever that whole thing was did, did was they that just confirmed? yeah did they, i don't i don't know about that but didn't he just lay off half of twitter and didn't paypal just lay off half of paypal amazing wow can you imagine yeah. getting customer support there now <laughs> but yeah. I remember i was telling you crow these social media platforms don't have customer service there's no email address or phone number that you can call i think with facebook the only way that you could ever actually get in touch with the human to make some kind of complaint is if you're a paying customer for their advertising and marketing right right well i saw the news queuing that up when i was in the barber shop they they were saying well he laid off half of twitter and all all the ex employees or i don't know if they're going to sue or something but they said this whole thing's built on sticks it's going to fall apart they were they were saying that of twitter so clearly they're setting expectation for something and google too google i mean how do you get support for gmail i your your friend who's really good with the internet and a code ninja hacker he couldn't help me uh, get back into my Gmail, which is my legal first name, last name at gmail.com. I've been trying to get back into that account for seven years. <laughs> and I'm the real person. I'm guessing there's no current email to collect there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did you select all the images with traffic lights? Was that part of it? Or... <laughs> oh, oh I, started, I, I lost it before we started connecting emails to phone numbers and uh, traffic lights. So... My so I'm suffering yeah, from that. Yeah. yeah. So Crow, what have you been going into as far as the uh the food thing too? Uh Rose mentioned something about going to what what they've done to food, and that's a broad subject, but uh, anything in, in particular you've been looking at? Funny you should say Rose Rose pinged me um right as you guys were going on, and I was writing the description for episode four hundred and fifty-four which is just me and Jason uh, doing food. The title is When Food is Not Food. Um, and I was just finishing that description. It, as I started to get into it, I was trying to think of all these ways. I try to think of some little clever way to express a thing that makes it like, like a Jesus parable, right? Why didn't Jesus just say what he wanted to say? Well, he's, he's using a parable or the Bible is using a parable to force you to think about it. Because whatever you work out for yourself is much more prescient to you. And so I always keep that in mind. And as I was writing, I thought, you know, I'm going to try to show how long the food has been in the dumper in this country. So I start by opening up with a, a 1977 movie quote from a movie called Oh, oh God. Remember George Byrne played God with uh, John Denver? Well, God meets him in the supermarket and he's a supermarket manager. And he, and he goes, uh, he says something to the effect of, look at all the chemicals he's pointing at the children's cereal he says chemical chemicals turning kids into garbage cans that's 1977 so then i i reverse another two decades and go back to swanson's frozen food the first tv dinner wait for it on an aluminum tray ready to go into your uh, oven 
So then I fast forward three decades to 86, where the aluminum tray becomes plastic because now you can nuke it with, with a microwave, you know, and everybody knows all these things are unhealthy. And beyond that, one of the main points I try to make is with all the chemicals, all the GMO, all the just unreal processed sugar that's in everything, go ahead and buy sliced ham. There's processed sugar in it now. The point I was going to make is somewhere along the line, life force became an enemy of the powers that be. Where I am now was one of the last states where you could go to an apple orchard. They would make fresh pressed cider, the best stuff you ever had in your life. That's now illegal. They have to pasteurize it, kill it, take the life force out of it before you can have it. So those are the ideas that I'm writing into the description, but you can kind of tell by all that how broad the sweep will be here. Nice. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, I get in arguments all the time with people about, I mean, obviously, if you're buying organic food, it's probably better. I'm not convinced of that anymore either, but it's better than buying, you know, uh, Cheerios or something. But uh, my problem is in, you know, you had Jim Gale on and I, I know you said that he uh, Food Forest Abundance came out and hooked you up in your backyard. So that's awesome. I'd love to do that. I we we grew some stuff, shitload of peppers this year, and uh, some eggplants and some other stuff. But what I'm wondering is what your thoughts are on growing your own food in general. When I don't know if I can trust the soil my stuff's growing in, let alone the water I'm using to irrigate it. So, I mean, it's probably better than what you'll get at the store, especially if it's not organic. But I'm still not convinced that literally anything is good for you anymore. Well, you know, my friend Fortune says we live in such a toxic arena right now that it's almost you know he's a healer and he it's getting to be impossible to comprehend all the all the toxins coming at us but this is what i would say hell yeah grow your own food the only things i plant around here are things that i will be able to eat in some way shape or form in case the shit really hits the fan but are you going to spray it with pesticides no well you're already better than the non-organic and who knows like you said about the organic the rules are you know uh, slippery to say the least i do know if i buy an organic banana it won't go brown as quickly and i do notice a difference but what does that mean did someone gas it to get it to you know my point being is even if your ground is not good you can go get organic soil and put it in the vicinity of where you're growing even if your water is not good it beats the hell out of ddt sprayed straight on it so your apple looks red so the other thing i would mention is if you're even conscious of these things over time uh, your soil and your environment will be better and by the way in terms of water, you could get reverse osmosis filters for your home to get mostly the fluoride is what most people are concerned with. Um, but yeah, man, everyone out there who's got any space at all. When I lived in an apartment, I had these little baskets that I grew all my peppers in because I missed California and I love peppers. So, you know, if, whatever space you have, get get food so that if things get tough you know think about this even if you just had you know some food four bell pepper plants or something um or or an eggplant or something that could get you through nearly a month without food yeah and there's if other solutions solutions for soil we've covered uh, Phoenix Aurelius, he has a solution for soil. There's also uh, biochar. I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Gardner, the polarity therapist. Uh, and also people have used mushrooms to clean right. things like like gasoline out the of oil the soil. Spills. Right. Oil so, yeah, spills. It's and amazing. 
And Oyster so any, mushrooms did that, and you can yeah. eat them after they've cleaned up the oil. Anyone yeah. who wants to contact me on through crow777radio.com, we have a contact form. I could direct you to the episodes that are relevant to revitalizing your soil. Another idea is um, air, the Aero Garden. A-E-R-O garden.com. This is hydroponic little systems. You could get really huge ones and then you could get a three pod one, which I like because I need things to be light and easy to carry on my lap to the sink to clean out. And they're under a hundred dollars. They come with a pod. You fill them with, with water. You stick the pods in. They're pre-filled with seeds and then a grow light. It could not be easier. And I would say sometimes I'm not going to use the word nuclear, but if, you know, we get to the, you know, shit hitting the fan situation and and everyone's fending for themselves because we'll assume that my jackeries with the solar panels are working to power my aero gardens. If you could just grow a couple of edible flowers and some lettuce and tomatoes with a few little aero gardens and then maybe get some grow lights and do some microgreens and broccoli um like uh, bro broccoli microgreens and alfalfa sprouts, then whatever crap, uh, you know, you have for the apocalypse that you had saved up, like those tubs of ready food, you'd like juice the good stuff with that. And then I figure you could get some balance. Make sure you got your coffee yeah. enema kit ready and just do a coffee enema after you have your dehydrated beef or whatever you settled for. My That's funny. I just thought about those, those <laughs> coffee enemas earlier as I'm drinking my coffee in the other hole. Yeah, uh, the I wrong one. On doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're upside down, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> yeah. so the, the fluoride thing with the, the filters, I, that's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. But luckily, where we live, even in California, our local water supply is not fluoridated in, wow. in our area. Where are you? In, uh, uh, Northern California. So it's up by uh, Mount Shasta, kind of about an hour south of Shasta. Oh. So that that is a special, special thing. Because um, now, see, the problem, I was in San Diego, and I was there right right before I was going to have to come back to Rhode Island. They said, oh, we're going to fluoridate the water, and we're going to hear from both sides. And they literally gave the guy saying it was bad like three minutes while the other guy went on and on about why we needed it. The day they did it, they gave that guy two minutes and then they, they cut away from him in the middle of what he was saying. I'm not even kidding. So we ended up getting one of these, I think it was Culligan reverse osmosis. But the problem was we could only afford it for the kitchen sink. So our drinking water, our cooking water, the problem is you got to shower under that too. So you're still absorbing it. Um, and later I realized I, I could have worked it out to do the whole house if I'd have been a little more bright about how to do it. But fluoride is... Um, you know, it's the byproduct of basically the metal making industry. Yeah. Victor Schauberger for episode 401 on Victor Schauberger with David Avocado Wolf is awesome. Clive DeCarl sells a vitamin C shower filter that can be put on. Yeah. Bro, you should talk about the vortex filters, the um, Schauberger pipes that you had put into your water line. Yeah. So this is, I do get some benefits because I know people and occasionally if I'm going to cover someone's stuff, I have to use it. I'm not going to cover anyone's stuff unless I know it's the real deal. So there's these copper pipes. They're about, I don't know, less than 18 inches between, between a foot and, and 18 inches, probably closer to a foot and a half. And it's a normal copper water pipe, but it's wave. It's got a wave in it. Now down the inside is a corkscrewing and inversion implosion vortex so what it does is your water comes into the house it goes through this pipe and it becomes enlivened 
again with the implosion vortex. So I put one on my cold water in, and then I put one on the other side of my hot water out to the house. Um, and I really noticed a difference too, by the way. Uh, the problem is, is these things are not cheap. It's hundreds of dollars just for one little length of this pipe because they have to 3D print the inside. Um, anyhow, it's worth it. But the problem becomes- yeah, That's amazing. I, I, I think I've heard you talk about that. Yeah, the vortex thing. Is that is that filtering it or is it just- uh... No, just enlivening it. It's, it's using okay. an implosion vortex to put, um, look- if in the old days when there was like wells and things or when they're captioning water, they would always zigzag it because they knew that that zigzagging infused life force into it. Now, what we do is we have straight pipes with right angles. Right angles are the angles of sorrow for anyone who hasn't followed along. So that's how we do it. If we simply put a corkscrew, if we just took like a copper pipe and corkscrewed it into the house, um, that would serve to enliven the water. But this is a full-on implosion vortex in the center of a pipe. Um, you notice it in your shower. I just notice it everywhere. Um, and I drink a lot of water where I am because I'm fortunate to be able to have good water. So many people are, are not fortunate. And that is that is a tough thing to overcome. If you drink fluoride for long enough, you know, it makes you lackadaisical, to say the least. Yeah. I, I think our president is living proof of that. I think he's been drinking fluoridated water for what eighty something years. See, I was thinking uh, that I just thought they pulled his soul out. You know, that's what I thought. That's what they <laughs> did with him. Now he's just a uh, Stephen Hawking now. So uh, with the fluoride <laughs> thing, though, it's amazing to me because this this isn't hidden knowledge. It's common. I mean, I did a paper on it. One of the few classes I took in uh, college, I did a whole paper on fluoride because it is a proven toxin it's not even up for debate but it's mandated in, in so much of our water and they say oh it's it's safe you know because it's at a small amount or whatever do they really care about our teeth that much that's the only claimed benefit of fluoride is oh, that it well wait cavities. a minute rose that's not a that's not a confirmed claim right rose there is no no true clinical evidence that fluoride does anything for your teeth i think we covered that didn't we actually uh fluoride will harden one's enamel it's ah. just not worth it <laughs> you know it's not like my my family i'm pretty sure that everyone in my family now has those porcelain veneers you know really? what I mean? Where they shave down your teeth. That's scary. I, I know. I know. And so I'm going on a trip to the Keys with uh, Jason to see them all for the first, like the whole family together for the first time in something like five years. So I'm, we're going to have to have a powwow therapy session, Crow, where you tell, teach me how not to talk about things that are going to upset them. <laughs> but I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to, you know, look like, you know, hey, a meth addict Ed compared to them. Everyone's got free will. We get to make our own choices. The sad thing about fluoride that got me was when they did it in San Diego, they showed one of the reservoirs that they were dumping it in. And immediately what struck me was I know the only one of the only ways I know to get it out is through with reverse osmosis because the particle is so tiny. And all I could think of was all the animals and all the fish in there. Um, they're getting it, too. Um, and yep. that, that's a hell of a thing to, to act like somehow this is for your teeth. We're so concerned with your teeth that we're going to do this. Um, it really is quite criminal when, when we start doing things like that to the creation that God granted us all and all those living things in the creation. Who the hell are we to impose something like that on all the fish and the deer or anything else that would want to drink? Yeah. And uh, 
like you said, it's really hard to get it out of the water. So yes. your typical filter isn't going to filter it. And I know this because uh, my wife bought a, one of those filters for the fridge and I'm not going to drink tap water straight anyway, even though it's not fluoridated, it's still got chlorine and who fucking knows what else. So yeah. I don't know how good this filter is, but it actually says on the packaging, um, uh, leaves in a healthful amount of fluoride. I'm like, what? This is supposed to be a water filter. And it, it's saying right there that it leaves the fluoride in, you know, because it's for your teeth. Apparently, Britta cares about your teeth, too. It's, oh, yeah. I dropped the name brand. <laughs> it's beyond the pale. And, and what's funny about it is to use the excuse that we're going to take care of your teeth like that while they have privatized all dentistry. So half the people can't even afford dentistry. It's a bit disingenuous. If you're really concerned about the dental health, then everyone should have minimum basic coverage. Um, and that's a fact. And, you know, when I lived in California, much more difficult for someone without money to get their teeth taken care of than it is in the state of Rhode Island. And it's everywhere in between, depending on where you are and what state. Yeah. Um, so it's not very believable that they're so concerned about your tooth health and you know i think one of the things we covered when we did this originally wasn't it i forget rose wasn't it some guy's brother-in-law had all this leftover slag from making aluminum or some mm -hmm. metal thing and he's all what can we do with this yeah exactly <laughs> it's a byproduct of aluminum and it wasn't edward bernays in particular but he did absolutely um I think beforehand influence the rollout towards fluoride with his hygiene campaign. And also I'd like to add, if anybody didn't know this already, the highest suicide rate in any profession doesn't come near dentists. And if anyone's interested in the root canal, what I call the root canal hoax, uh, we covered it a little bit in episode 323 with Mandara Cromwell. And it looks like root canals is just really part of this full spectrum attack depopulation genocidal agenda because so much bacteria can grow in there. Root canals are so harmful to people. Uh, you know, Crow's mother always used to say that she was so proud of having all of her teeth. And that's how I would feel too in this, in this day and age because of like the way that we grew up. If you lost a tooth, you know, it made you look like maybe you didn't take care of yourself or something or a low socioeconomic status. But at this point, um, if, for, for example, if I was told I needed a root canal, I think it's pretty safe to recommend that people get the tooth removed. If it really has gotten that bad and the tooth is dead, it needs to be removed. And then also we covered that not removing a tooth can change your jaw structure and then affect your whole body. And every single tooth is connected to um, like the electrical currents in your body and different organs. So you want to maintain your jaw structure by putting a bridge in place, which also has its setbacks because in order to put a bridge there, you need to kind of like shave off the other surrounding teeth. So that's why yeah. it's so important to take care of your teeth before it gets bad and look into um, DMSO for teeth health as well. Yeah, for sure. that's so funny because we just had a uh, Clive DeCarl on last week and I talking about that same thing with the root canals because I had one when I was like 23 and it uh. has permanently fucked up my jaw. Like I had TMJ so bad and then uh, off of Crow and Clive DeCarl's recommendations about magnesium and all this stuff. And I don't know if it has anything to do with it. I just know in the last two years since we've been uh, really heavy dosing the vitamins, my TMJ seems to have totally gone away. So it reminded me of Crow's uh, trigger finger thing. So I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but uh, something's working. So 
Well, almost everybody is short on magnesium. You know, there's a story behind the magnesium where apparently the cancer rates were soaring all over the world, except I think it was Egypt. And someone was trying to figure out why the hell are the people in Egypt having not having this cancer rate. And then they realized a person who left Egypt would have the same cancer rate as everyone else that wasn't in Egypt. And they finally tracked it back to magnesium. So uh, what all these people that we interview, I think every one of them says, I would take a bet that you're low on magnesium. I take eight of Clive's special magnesiums a day without fail. And as a matter of fact, I can tell by the skin on my hand, um, the same hand I would have had trigger finger, it starts to get rough and stuff if I miss. But the thing about the, the root canal, I had teeth that they'd put um, mercury in. And so I was getting them removed, getting them removed. And the last one that I had done, the dentist actually told me, oh, it's a little bit thin. The wall's getting a little bit thin. And he made some comment, which I didn't think about at the time. I ended up thinking about later because the tooth broke. Um, and the tooth broke because he, he carved out the mercury and left the wall too thin. So then when I go into the dentist, they're all, oh, you got to get a root canal. And it's a back tooth. And I said, the hell I will. And they said, what are you, what are you crazy? You're just going to miss a tooth. I said, I will not take a root canal. And so I said, take the tooth out. And every time I go in for like a cleaning or anything, I'm fortunate because it's a back teeth too. So it's not really visible. But the point is, is the dentist caused that damn problem in the first place for filling my teeth with mercury. Um, yep. So they have you, to know, right? Oh, come on, man. It's simple to me. Is mercury poisonous? Do we need to go further than that? But like, are the dentists so brainwashed that they're, they have cognitive dissonance because it's yes. their livelihood? But then like they have to know deep down inside. Hey, man, I went up there um, and one of the guys was literally trying to tell me that the mercury amalgam was all encapsulated and so low that it didn't matter. And I said, you know what, but you should go read some Charlotte Gerson who will tell you the truth because she took the president of root canal surgery in the, in the dental community, and she took his quote back, and I don't even know what it was, 60s or 70s, who said this is one of the leading causes of terrible, terrible things, uh, the root canal. That guy was president of the root canal, whatever the hell they call it, committee or association. Yeah, it, it's, it's on the same level as fluoride, where it, what Rose said, it, it can only be cognitive dissonance because the same scientific community that's saying mercury and uh, you know, other things, aluminum or poisonous are still still saying to this day, it's OK to put it in your teeth and to cook with foil and uh, or cook with aluminum pans. I know you've talked about that several times, too. How it's a bitch to try to find cookware that doesn't have aluminum in it. You're probably better off to just cook off cast iron, which is why I try to do as much as possible. It's expensive because what you find yourself doing is going to stainless steel now and accept. And here's the other problem. When I finally found the stainless steel, it's like $1,200 for a pan set, by the way, $1,200 freaking dollars for cooking pans. And so I'm all, well, I guess I'll use this the rest of my life. I guess I can save up for, you know, and it'll be worth it. But then they had hidden the fact that the core is still aluminum. So it's encapsulated. So I launch on this big thing to find out. Can encapsulated aluminum come through stainless steel? And I never get a firm answer, but I did read that it's encapsulated inside the stainless, so it's not really coming through. And I'm still not 100% sure, but I know I'm not cooking on aluminum. Yeah. So I get these pans, but, you know, for, for people out there, I lost my mother less than a year ago to Alzheimer's. 
I am convinced that aluminum played a major role in what happened to her brain. And as I was going through looking, every pan we had in this house had Teflon coating that my mother had been using that was scratched through and underneath it was aluminum. And after I'd gotten everything out, I was thinking, okay, do I have everything out of this house that cooks that's aluminum? And there was the teapot that she loved so much sitting on the counter. It plugs into the wall. You fill it up with about a quart and a half, and it boils it in a minute. So freaking handy. And I open it up, and I look inside, and the whole interior is aluminum, and it's discolored. And my heart just freaking sank because I began to realize that that teapot she loved probably help to do her in unbelievable and yeah. and then you get things like uh deodorant and i stopped wearing deodorant uh, yeah a while ago i mean yeah. if you don't wear it for a, a couple days you don't smell anymore just just, shower. just drink water anyone yeah. can drink yeah. water yeah if you you know what drink distilled water take a glass of distilled water every morning but if you stink you need to drink a little more water most people not yeah. everybody but most people I stopped wearing deodorant for many years ago. And after a while, I noticed that I didn't, I, I mean, I stopped using the aluminum kind and I switched to the natural kind, but then I kept forgetting to use it and I just stopped yeah. completely. And it's not exactly unless if I'm at the gym and breaking a sweat or if I'm outside in the you know humidity, I'm in Louisiana, then I might smell myself feel sweaty, but it's not BO. It's just, yeah. oh, I'm a little sweaty and I need to rinse off. But let me tell you something I noticed ever since it's been years now, since I've had like natural sweat coming out of my armpits, I can smell BO if there's something going on with me, like if maybe an infection, right? Oh. If I don't feel good. Yeah. And, 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 and they say that the natural doctors, like in Chinese medicine, they'll drink, they will taste your pee. They will smell your breath and know what's going on with you. And that sounds so crazy to people in this culture, but it really makes you think. They, yeah, they will drink that pee. Good by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I was just hearing somebody talk about uh, urine therapy and I, was that you guys just talked about that? It's, it's the real deal. Urine therapy is the real deal. I've been waiting for the right expert to cover it. I, I knew instantly that there was something to it. Years ago, I was watching some stupid show called dual survival and they were out of water. And one guy said, I'm going to pee and drink it. And the other guy said, you're out of your damn mind. He started losing it. And I knew instantly that this was programming to defame the drinking of pee. So over time, I learned more and more. And by the time, you know, I know now I know Fortune de Saint Germain. Um, now I know, you know, Amanda Vollmer. Now I know Clive DeCaro. Urine therapy is the real deal. And not only is it the real deal, it's like taking a liquid that is programmed specifically to your body. And you can send that programming back into your body. And by the way, the coffee enemas combined with 25% urine is supposed to be magical. Yeah. So, so that unfortunately, I can't do a coffee enema because I'm paralyzed. But uh, I would have tried that instead of drinking it because I just can't get over it. I, I I don't know if you've tried it, Crow, but I have not ever tried drinking my pee. Amanda Vollmer was like, you really need to just, you know, first catch of the day into a shot glass of orange juice and just do it. You need to be ingesting your own pee, Rose. And I'm like, ah, I'm just not that desperate yet. I'm not, if I was dying, maybe. But the alternative is 25% urine in a coffee enema. So if drinking it grosses you out, then I don't know, maybe putting it up your butt is less gross. Well, but 
Well, well Karen ahead. puts it on her skin, and Karen B has put it on her skin and and watched like psoriasis and eczema heal. Exactly. Everybody knows if you've got athlete's fit, foot, when you get in the shower, you pee on your feet, and it cures it. Um, my thing is, it's the same as when we did the 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 enema um, episodes based on the Gerson method, who saved so many lives. And then we met Marion, who had improved the coffee itself, the chemicals in the coffee, with using green coffee. And I got it. People are, what are you, you're telling me to stick something up my butt? You're crazy. You know, I, I get the immediate shock of it. But after you calm down a little bit, if you ever do it, you'll never make fun of it again. The first time that I did it and my body actually cleaned out, I swear I felt like I was 16 years old, like within seconds of the flush through. My liver just yeah. let go of so much. It was like Ghostbusters, man, not to be rude, but it was like, holy, what just came out of me? Um, but instantly I felt just young again. And I started to realize, how do we get things out of our body? Well, you can defecate, you can urinate, you can sweat. Now, if you're not tip top shape, there's going to be buildup and all that's getting caught in your gallbladder, your liver, all the places it does. How else are you going to get that out of you? You know, yeah. that's what it comes down to. And so drinking the urine, I, you know, you know, damn well, if you have athletes feet and you pee on your foot, it will cure it. So what does that tell you? Right. Right. What I'd like to know is if someone else peed on my foot, would it cure it? Now that would be an interesting thing to know. I, I actually, before we got into any of this, when I was still thinking it was gross and that we'd never cover it, uh, years ago, I was following this Japanese gentleman in his 90s. It's all in Japanese, so you have to read the subtitles about urine therapy. And it was so funny because he's explaining in such detail why urine therapy is good and that a young child's urine would also be beneficial to an older person, like the fountain of youth. And after oh. all of this explanation at the end, they're like, so tell us. How is it that you're so healthy and able to travel the world to talk about urine therapy? Uh, and obviously, he's like, the urine. <laughs> it's the piss. Hello, have you been listening? Is there any examples? What's that? Go ahead. Oh, I was just I'm wondering if you know of any examples of uh, ancient or older texts that talk about urine therapy. Um, My fortune would know. Fortune does know. Um, fortune looks younger than I do. I mean, I know. I bet he would know of an alchemical text about the, you know, it's, he, some people call might. it the philosopher's stone or the golden shower. Thing. Well, that too, but <laughs> that, uh, that's the modern version. But, but it's a golden shower before it becomes a crystal. Like you can make crystals out of it. Weird. Over maybe that's what Trump process. was doing with that Russian hooker. Maybe Trump was just trying to get younger with the pee pee. Who knows? <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. So, but I don't. Do you have a time constraint today, or about an hour is good for you? Or uh, I, I'm good. We, you know, I just released an episode today, so I'm clear. Okay, cool. So while we're on the topic of aluminum, um, apparently this can be aerosolized. Do you think that's part of what's being sprayed in the sky, or is it a, uh, you know, barium and strontium or whatever those other things are? Do you think aluminum's part of it? Yeah, well, it's been demonstrated. Aluminum, barium, strontium, there's other lithium. things. Yeah, lithium. You know, that they announced in the paper a few times that they were going to spray lithium, which... I was there know. in Van Nuys one of the times. I was like, oh, great. Yeah. So That's what I need. It's been demonstrated, and this is part of why Fortune says the environment is so toxic. So much stuff in us. And if there is anything to 
what I suspect happened to my mother and all the other people who are getting forms of dementia uh, being related to aluminum. Think about the generations we're headed for if they've just been aerosolizing it. And, you know, that that eventually ends up in the water, I would imagine. Exactly. That's kind of what I was getting at when you're with growing your own food. Like if we're getting sprayed with all this shit and it's actually landing in our soil and so like how do you even get away from it at that point it's it just permeates everything it's the same with glyphosate glyphosate's apparently in everything it doesn't even it it like makes it through your body processing it makes it through water treatment uh plants and things like that they found glyphosate in filtered water like and probably not reverse osmosis but it just seems like one of those things you can't get away from i think intention is a big deal and i think announcing your intention to this place we call home earth is a massive deal and you need to let it be known that you're not down with that and that you will put in effort to try to grow things better than you can get your hands on and that intention is worth a lot more than i think most people would be willing to accept it is Um, intention is the foundation of everything here if you know the intention of things you don't need to know anything more like if something comes out of my television i already know what the intention is it's not going to get you know, max weight for me or max attention. I know what its intention is coming out of my television. Um, If it's political, I know what its intention is. Um, So that intention is critically important. And, you know, for people who don't have a big spiritual side of their world, I would submit that a big part of this era right here, right now is spiritually founded. It's foundationally spiritual. Things like the shot, as an example. They're telling you that they're updating your DNA. They actually said, we are changing your DNA. Well, if you want to be reasonable, you might say, well, where did my DNA come from? Many people would accept that the creator granted it to you with the divine spark of life. And so what you're actually doing is allowing a corporation to take a patented product and then upgrade or downgrade or something grade your DNA. That's already been to court. I think they did it with corn. And the Supreme Court said, yep, you used your patent and product. You can own that corn now because you changed its DNA. These are spiritual ideas. And the reason you were given a choice, even though it was coerced, to try to get you to do this thing is because after you do, look look what's happened. You volunteered. If they come back later and make a claim on every vaccinated person, you know, If you couldn't value what was given to you by the creation, by the creator, which is a spiritual idea, however you choose to think about it, and you just so blithely said, sure, update what I was granted to live here, that's intent. That's all intent. It's intent on their part, and it's intent on your part, and it matters. What about somebody who uh, got the jab that has buyer's remorse? Do you think with their intent they could uh, at least help to nullify some of the possible negative effects of it? Sure. I think intent's important. And I also think they played three Carmonti, right? There were three different kinds of shots. Um, were some of those placebos, you know, couldn't have people falling out all at once. Were, were they the same thing? They couldn't have been the same because one of them you took once, another one you needed a series. You know, they were playing three card Monty. Um, There's a lot not, of people that got one of each too. It's insanity. You know, I don't know what to tell you because, you know, we know there's graphene, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but your intent where you, matters. Where do, you think, where do you think they're going with the graphene thing? Because is that, has that been found to be actually 
like 100% sure in the shot. I know everybody talks about it, but where do you think they're going with that aspect? Does it have to do with the 5G or is there something else? I think it's all interrelated. Um, someone was just posting pictures of all the 5G towers that are openly set on the sidewalks of NYC. Um, how many how many videos did you see when people took the shot? They took a magnet and stuck it to their arm. Did you see that? So you tell me. You're a walking antenna, whether you want to admit it or not. If you can stick a magnet to yourself, then you will be basically an antenna. And where is this going? This is control. And what control hates is diversity. What control hates is variety. Variety is the enemy of control. And so this is about reducing the number of people from my point of view. And um, they're going to exert control. Yeah, apparently some people turned into Bluetooth transmitters too, but uh, I had a friend that got the shot just because they required it at work and also paid her $200 to do it, which, you know, great incentive. But oh I'm, when you said, are some of them placebo? I'm, that's the first thing I thought of after she got it because I'm like, hey, let me try something. I grabbed a magnet and tried to stick it to her arm. Didn't work. Tried to grab a spoon, you know, nothing worked. So then I started thinking, I'm like, and she had no negative effects at all. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure a percentage of these are placebos because they yeah. need some kind of control group, but they don't really care if you know it or not, you know, because that would ruin the placebo effect. So, or, or what if everyone would have started falling out all at the same time? It would that have been too. harder to deny. Um, but I, you know, it's not looking good for quite a number of people when old age, old age is already a nightmare in my time without all the 2020 nonsense. The Parkinson's, the dementia, they're just off the charts. When I was a child here, I didn't know any older people. I knew some that had slight tremors in their hands. That was what I knew. But I don't recall people being out of their minds, you know, and that's common now. Almost everyone yeah. I meet who's got a parent, they have Parkinson's and Alzheimer's at the same time. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's that fits in with what since vaccines really started becoming uh, the childhood schedule and all those things. How far back was that? Was that 40s, 50s, somewhere around there? Uh, we've covered a lot of versions, but we've had people absolutely say that the onset of Parkinson's, the onset of Alzheimer's, and the cancer epidemic are all related to inoculation. That that was the claim they made, you know. And I, you know, I accept what these guys are saying, but go ahead and try to prove that. And the way they try to prove it is they show the years. Right, this year we had this much cancer. Shots are introduced here, and from then on we have this much cancer. So that's how they try to demonstrate it. Check it out. Yeah. In 1984. The first standardized vaccine vaccine schedule for children was just four vaccines against six diseases, tuberculosis at birth, and then diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis at six, 10, and 14 weeks. And that was what, it. What did you say, 1984? Does everyone exactly. know why that date matters? Well, I picked that date to search for. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that date matters because it's 100 years after the Fabians got together. Yeah. And 103 yeah. years after they say the age of Aquarius started, which is in question in a whole other show, <laughs> 1881. Which is apparently up for debate, too. I know Crow uh, has a different idea on that. I, I don't know. I, I don't think that it's easily proven right now. And as a matter of fact, I don't think a lot of things about the sky clock systems we've inherited are easily proven. And that doesn't prevent us from using it, but it might prevent us from having that kind of magical spot on 
ability that was once attainable doing a thing down yeah. to the second comprehending it's from that you know there's an old there's an old quote i used not too long ago and it is old and it says basically a wise man rules his stars and a fool is ruled by the stars um and i accept that that's true all day long but there are so many things that have been shuffled around the knowledge is you know you know what's happened to knowledge it's become yeah. a play thing well there's obvious things i mean to people who are look into this crazy shit like we do but uh, you know blood moon full lunar eclipse right on election day i mean how much more on the nose could you get but i i'm glad you brought that up actually too because uh that was another point that you've been looking into is the Tycho brahi stuff why don't you give us a quick uh rundown on all that stuff Tycho brahi let let me preface i can't he was alive so long ago maybe he could have been the biggest son of a bitch you ever knew maybe he was the nicest man i've heard it put both ways i'm not about trying to discover which of those is true what i'm saying is what he did do he has my admiration i spent over half a decade behind a telescope behind a camera i know how much work it is and he did it with pre-telescope tools and he did it a lot longer than i did and he did it a lot more precisely than i did he laid basically the foundations for modern astronomy he showed everyone how to perfectly locate things to as close as he could, I think within a minute, a second of arc or something. Um, the point I would make is in his day, when you said astrologer and you said astronomer, you were saying the same thing. In other words, as he was out doing the science of the stars, which we would consider astronomy, the king was saying, Tycho, I need you to come here and draw my chart because there could be wars coming and other things. And he did. He covered this new star that I think was in uh, Cassiopeia, the constellation Cassiopeia. It's the big W looking one up there. Um, he, he covered comets. We can't even get the information about the comets or I haven't been able to. My point is, is he told us the truth, at least what I accept is the truth for what our solar system, so-called solar system, actually how it lays out. And it's not what you would think. Part of it lays out centered on Earth and part of it centers on the sun. What kind of tools was he using without a telescope? Was it a sextant or I can't yeah. even wrap my mind around. Yeah, exactly. Earth. Like like that, a tube, you know, a tube with like a, a uh, you know, a degree marker, like a, a half circle or, or something marking the degrees. Um, that's exactly what it would have been like. He used cross beams. He used basically just like a sextant. I don't know if it was called a sextant in those days, whether it was the pre-runner or whether they all already exist. must have been the pre-runner because he, he was coming up, as far as I know, with the gridding system to be able to do things like, hey, man, this star is right here, and 10 years from now, it'll be right here. We can prove where this star is now within you know a couple seconds of arc, as precisely as he could without telescopes. He was just before telescopes were coming in. But he comprehended that there was meaning and that they were energy and that there was influences. And um, he comprehended that uh, comets as well. Um, oh, it looks like Rose dropped off. Yeah, I don't know if she, I don't know what, maybe she was getting a drink or something. I think she fell out of the session altogether. Anyhow. All right, there we go. She's back in. Rose, okay. if you're there. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, one of the things we talk about a lot is, uh, I mean, and this opens up a whole can of worms. It's just, it's always interesting to me that even back then they could, or that 
Tycho Brahe could look at the stars and say in 10 years it's going to be exactly here and be correct about it. And how is that possible with all the rotations that we're apparently going through with the Earth? It, you know, I mean, I'm going from the helio model here, but like, how how does science, how do they, I don't even know how to say this. How, how do you look at something like that? The fact that you can predict where stars are and where they're going to be in 100 years. So it comes down to space. I just, yeah, it comes down to comprehending the motion in a realistic way. And so we have like orbit ideas now and elong elongated orbits. There were other times when they used what's called an epicycle, where this thing would go up, do a loop, the loop, go a little further around the arc, do a loop, the loop. And it was an epicycle and it was so complex, but it was quite accurate. So basically what we're saying about Tycho is at the time, apparently he understood the motions better than anyone else. He went back and corrected Ptolemy. He corrected Copernicus. Um, you know, the, the guys we got are Kepler, which was Tycho's whipping boy and who stole his work or inherited some of it and his tools, which he didn't know how to use and Copernicus. And those two guys are all about the sun's the center of any, everything. Tycho was not about that. Tycho laid out what we would call a solar system, which I later paired off with what Rudolf Steiner called spiritual hierarchies. And they're the same. When Rudolf Steiner's talking about the realm of angels, Tycho Brahe would have been saying from the earth to the moon. When Rudolf Steiner is talking about the realm of archangels, Tycho Brahe would have been talking about from the moon to Venus. And so there's this arching model of what we would call a, a, a solar system that goes like this. From here to the, what I'm about to describe centers on Earth. From Earth to the moon, from moon to Venus, from Venus to Mercury, from Mercury to the sun. All that centers on Earth. Now everything else I'm going to describe centers on the sun. From the sun to Mars, from Mars to Jupiter, from Jupiter to Saturn. Saturn goes through some spiritual realms like cherubim and seraphim and then the, the idea of, of the creator out there. All that centers on the sun. And that's what I accept currently as the correct model. Yeah, it, it's so hard to even prove any of this stuff. But I did have one more thing to toss at you before we get out of here. Uh, my good friend Bob from the Hidden in Plain Sight show, uh, had he's a 100% flat earther and he makes no uh, no apologies for that. I love the guy. So he he brought up something interesting. He said, if Venus is between us and the sun... How is it possible that we see it in the morning before the sun comes up if it's being lit from behind? Because apparently the reason we see planets is because they're reflecting the sunlight, right? Is that correct? So if it's between us and the sun, how, how are we seeing it in the morning if the sun's behind it? I just thought that was something interesting. I, to think I about. guess I don't accept I don't accept that Venus is being lit by anything but itself. It's the brightest thing you'll ever see in the sky. The only thing brighter than Venus, and I hope I get this right, might be a very bright full moon. But for all intents and purposes, the brightest thing you will ever see is Venus. And it is the morning star and it is the evening star. Um, but even the moon, I don't accept that the moon's being lit by the sun. It's self-luminating. That it, It's like you should listen to the Ben Balderson episodes where he's talking about anodes and cathodes and um, the exchange of energies. Because even in the alchemical descriptions 
what you're, and not everyone agrees with me, but it doesn't matter. They would just flip the gender. What I accept is probably true is that the sun is masculine, though it may change from times. Therefore, it is positive in polarity. Therefore, its metal is best described as gold. Now, the moon would be feminine, therefore negative in polarity. Therefore, its metal would be silver. And as we know from alchemy, all the way down at the bottom to lead, each metal could become another metal. It goes up higher, higher. Copper keeps going, keeps going. Eventually, the last thing it will ever be before it is gold is silver. So when you start to think of them in that way, I think you get a more helpful image of what's actually there. And I don't call them planets. I call them luminaries. And from my point of view, you couldn't put a boot on the moon if you wanted to. Yeah. Never mind, never mind Mars. Um, we don't leave from my point of view, we do not get outside the firmament with matter. We can dream our way out, we could meditate our way out and be out there for some time to the astral or whatever it's properly called, but you're not taking your damn tennis shoes or your pillow with you. And you could physically die to get out as well. Right. You're tuned and here. The best way to do it is maybe meditating into your death if you're lucky enough to not get killed by this toxic environment and die a natural death of old age. Oh, by the way, those episodes, 373 and 374, Ben Balderson and then Elsie King discussed the galvanic cell theory with the sun and moon being an anode. I wanted to say, though, when you first asked the question, though, Crow, aren't we questioning whether Venus and Mercury are switched yeah, that that's, one is the other. Yeah, that's a problem. But I, I, I wanted to drop that because okay. as Let I went know. back, well, as I went back to review it, what I realized is what I think was being said is that I think what Steiner was saying in the older texts, they purposely switched the names and the symbols so people wouldn't be able to figure things out. Mm. So what if that's true, then what they're actually saying is in a representation drawn by a man, it's been reversed. But I'm not 100% sure about that. And as I started to think it through, I started thinking, you know, at first I couldn't imagine anything not being Venus, you know, Lucifer, the, the light bringer, all the, all the names it gets. Um, and that's when I, you know, remember Hoaxbuster was on and I asked him and he said, hell no, that's Venus. And I, at first I thought, well, wouldn't it make sense if it was Mercury being so bright? That's human intellect. But then at the end of the day, I think yeah. Steiner was just saying that in the older texts, they swapped them. So people couldn't get it right. There are so many different thoughts. And I talked to so many different content creators. Like, for example, I had a five-hour conversation with Russian vids once. And we were on about, uh, you know, Freemasonry and Polaris being Lucifer. And then you've got other people saying that there's the big hoax where Polaris is actually the corona. And where the sun is not the corona, but Polaris is. And that's why you've got the eye. So many different modes of thinking. Oh, by the way, uh, the moon being its own generator of light can be proven by the inverse square law. And this is very well described at the end, not the whole presentation, but at the end of Bob Nodell's Flat Earth International Conference speech from 2019. That's where I always send people when I want them to learn about the inverse square law, which basically is like the other night there was a full moon and I looked up and I thought to myself, wow, this is such a beautiful bright moon that even just keeping my eyes on it kind of like my eyes can feel it like like the sun like it's so bright so with the inverse square law assuming it's a far distance away let's just say 240,000 miles like they say by the time you get there your eyes would like 
melt and like burn out like Indiana Jones, which proves that it can't be the sun's reflection. It's yeah. rich. It's generating it was... its own light. It'd be like a flashlight of a ridiculous amount of lumens. You'd have to watch the end of the presentation to get the number, but it's like over a million something. Lumens. Well, that's Tycho. That's another valuable thing from Tycho is they hid. I think they scrubbed and hid. He had distances worked out for the moon. Uh, most of it's been scrubbed. You can't get as, as far as I know. I could be wrong. I haven't found his comet information, which I dearly love to read. But he said that comet that we saw was six times further away from us than the moon. And if Tycho Brahe said it, I'm all ears. Um, he was doing it old school and he was doing it accurate and it was his life's work. How in the hell he viewed a comet and supposedly never wrote anything down. I'm not buying. He wrote everything down. That's what he did. He measured stars and he wrote things down and then he crunched the data. But I suspect what we lost from Tycho is there was probably measurements. How far away is the moon? How far away after that, you know, he had, it seems like the crystalline spheres idea was just kind of at its limit around that time. But you got to realize the Vatican, one of the things the Vatican did to try to get their star clock minds back together was go back to Ptolemy. Well, Tycho corrected Ptolemy. Then he turned around and corrected Copernicus. When Copernicus published on his deathbed, he said, you know, this was all theoretical. Kepler was Tycho's whipping boy, didn't even know how to use the tools Tycho used, and yet stole some of his work and inherited almost all of it. He never, Copernicus nor Kepler ever spent observation time. You're looking at clever math from both of those men, and that's who's in our books. So Tycho was like me. He went outside and he did what he could do, just a lot better than I can. Yeah, well, like you always say, uh a theory isn't a very good theory unless it's been you know if it's been a theory for so long it's not a very good theory anymore and i always bring up that most of modern science is based on well, theoretical things gravity is a theory based on a theory as an example and it's been around so long that it's a terrible theory there should be a statute of limitations on how long a theory can be considered valuable um, as a possible way to becoming a law like they should say you get three years we got this theory and it's a good one you get three years if you can't prove it into a law then it has to become something else like a, a workable way to proceed whatever you want to call it but you see the big bang theory is proved wrong by the laws of thermodynamics and yet they're teaching that nonsense in school gravity if you want to be honest is a theory based on a theory and how how long have we had that so that yeah. fails the theory test Ter term limits for theories. I like it. Every four years, you got to come up with a new one. Or make the one you have a law. Right? Yeah, a law is a law. Right. Or Prove kill it. it. Or kill the theory. It's no longer a theory. It's just poppycock. If it's well, the problem becomes so, so many theories are usable, though. That's the problem. But you see, from my point of view, if you have a theory that could never become a law and it's usable, you're almost certainly limiting what you can do using that theory. In other words, if you could replace it with whatever the real law is, I'm convinced you could do much better in your endeavor. That's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Well, before we get out of here, why don't you let everyone know what you uh, got going on in the future? I heard that you were going to be getting your telescope out and doing some more sky work. So is that true? I have a plan to try to do with the sun what I did with the moon starting in the warmer months of the spring. Um I started to research again and saw how far the technology 
the tools that are available have come since just the years since I was doing it uh, for the sun. And the sun is the main game in town. The sun I'm looking at now, from my point of view, is not the sun I was looking at in, say, 2012. It's a higher vibration. It's whiter. It's different in many ways. And it is the guarantor of life here. And it is the arbiter of other things in this existence. It's almost like the sun is a lens of all the other influences. Like if you take sunlight, it's white. If you break it apart, you have your whole rainbow laid out before you. But in that sunlight, it is all combined into white. It's like a lens of everything. So my hope is that when we get up to around April or something, that I'll be able to queue up some new tools and start to do what I was doing with the sun partially because people don't realize how much work it is to, to be up all night then to process the video and doing the show. And, you know, I'm not as young as I was then. Not, not only that, my scope weighs 75 pounds um, and I got stairs here. So I've, I've got to aim to, to do solar work. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see it. And I know what you're talking about with the telescope. I bought a cheap $150 telescope to try to get, you know, pictures of different things. And just to get it to focus for half a second, let alone take a picture of it is insanely hard. Cheap, cheap tools to aren't worth it. it. Yeah. You, you got to, if you're going to do the telescope thing, don't get too cheap or you'll be disappointed. Yeah. Just, I, I couldn't even, Eddie, I did end up getting a pretty good picture of the moon and then I just kind of put it away. I'm like, I'm done with this thing. <laughs> Well, so obviously we can find you uh, at all things Crow Triple Seven at Crow Triple Seven Radio dot com. Rose, am I missing anything? We can find you on Rockfin. That's it. That is perfect. And feel free to contact me anytime for episode recommendations on law, health, the esoteric. And if anyone's interested in learning about how they too can uh, film the sky, we have a guarantee that if you do put in as much work as Crow did for filming the sky every night for hours and hours uh, for years, you will film amazing things and a good episode to learn about how to do that is episode 47. Oh, and the other thing is, is if you're a member, uh, you get the two-hour film Shoot the Moon for free, which Jason created all my interesting telescope work, put it in a feature film, uh, and it's won 10 awards to this point in film festivals. Last two, Jaipur, India, and I think Mumbai, India, gave us the last two laurels. That's awesome. Yeah, if, if anybody hasn't watched that yet, go watch it. As soon as we had Crow on the first time, they sent us the link to watch it, and totally worth it. It's unbelievable what you'll see in that video well you guys thanks so much for joining me uh crow you want to play us out with your famous outro <laughs> okay i can do that i'd like to wish everybody out there a happy healthy and higher-minded new era cheers What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.